If you would, I'm going to ask you to turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 15, and we'll pick up um, where we uh, left off last Sunday evening. Um, If someone asks you, and this is probably a good exercise, I think it is anyway, for us to think about and do from time to time. Um, In fact, I'm going to ask you now. So we don't have to be hypothetical here. <laughs> Anybody that wants to answer, um, in, in 60 seconds or less, what is the gospel? Somebody want to take that? Like I want to say, the Word of God right at the start. The Word of God? <coughs> teaching of the Word of God through Jesus' name. Yeah, amen. Teaching of the Word of God through Jesus. Anybody else? Verse 3 and 4. <laughs> You're cheating there. <laughs> no, go ahead. Sheila says verse 3 and 4. First <laughs> Corinthians 15. Anybody else? What is the gospel? Amen. Yeah, that's what the word uh, literally means. Good news. Um, it's a it's a proclamation of good news. So it's it, the Greek word is the word that we get our our word evangelist or evangelism. Uh, same word group. You know that that word group comes from this uh, Greek word. Um, and and yeah, it means good news. The verb form euangelizo is you know, two. Well, good news, but like good newsing, to to spread good news. Um, that's the gospel. So it's good news. So first of all, it's it's news. Okay, so it's it 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 that's important, I think, because it's it's facts to report, and then it's good news on top of that. And but you know, when we're talking in a scriptural sense, what is the gospel? Well, that's what Paul is going to make mention of here. Now, I want to say this though, he's. His, his main focus in chapter 15, and this is why he, uh, he, uh, he, he brings up the, the essence of the gospel here, but what he's, what he's driving at in, in chapter 15, what he's targeting is the, is the reality of the resurrection. And if you look in uh, verse 12, he says, now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, <clears throat> how, can so, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So that, that's what he has in view. Some of them are saying that there is no resurrection of the dead, and, and that is his subject for the whole of this chapter. He's addressing that for all of chapter 15, but we're going to look at a, at a, a small portion of it tonight that, to lead into that, and Lord willing... Um, pick up. We'll probably just cover a few verses tonight, but pick up next week. So let's. Uh, I'm going to read um, verses one. Oh, let's see. Um, at least one through five. We may stop there. It's kind of in midstream, but like I say, we're not going to cover much. Uh, so I'm going to read verses one through five, and let's let's pray before we read. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the good news. The good news delivered to us, handed down to us from the saints before us, and revealed to us in your word. And Father, um, 
by your Spirit, Lord. You've, you've revealed it to us individually um, to be what it in fact is, your Word, your truth. And Father, you've commissioned us to tell others, to make disciples by proclaiming this good news, the good news of Jesus Christ and what He's done for us. Lord, we thank You for Your Word, for Your truth, for Your promises. We thank You for the knowledge of You. And Lord, we thank You for the privilege of working in Your kingdom, doing kingdom work for Your glory and for the salvation of lost souls. Bless this time together, we pray, this study, grant understanding. And again, may it all work for your honor and glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Um, and I'm going to go on. I'm going to read through verse 11, and, and then we'll stop there. And, what, and, th- and that he appeared to Cephas and the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely, untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Paul's going to, his main thing here is going to be the resurrection, but he's, he's giving us um, kind of a summation here of the of the gospel, the essence of the gospel. I want to mention one thing here that that I like to do uh, before I get into the text here that I that I like to do when I'm when I'm talking with people today. I want, I want to add one thing here because what we tend to do is, you know, here's the gospel: Christ died for you, Christ, you know, paid for your sins, something to that effect, and He rose again, and He's promised us eternal life if we believe on Him. Um, what I like to do. Today, if I'm talking to somebody, um, pretty much a stranger, uh, and it's, it's, it's not hard to find people now that are uh, Bible ignorant. That's, that's not a name calling. I, I mean, literally, you know, they don't know the, the Bible. So I like to start with creation. And that's part of the gospel too. And I tell them, you know, God created all things. He owns everything. Everything belongs to Him. So, uh, He created man. He created man in His own image and man sinned. That is, man rebelled against God and set himself up as a God. And then you can kind of, from there, lead into um, uh, 
the coming of Jesus Christ, why Jesus came. Jesus became a man to live the righteousness that we don't, uh, that we don't live. He came to die to propitiation for our sins, to take our sins away and to reconcile us to God, to rise again assuring us um, that, we will too, that we will also rise and, and to be with Him eternally. But all of that is the gospel. That, that God created all things, man rebelled, and so we were alienated. You can't really leave that part out. And what I was getting at a moment ago is that nowadays you can't assume that they know that. You, know, you used to kind of just be able to start with Jesus, and uh, now um, you can do that, but they probably won't have a clue um, who Jesus is. Uh, you know, they just have some strange idea. But that's, that's the gospel in a nutshell. God created us for His own glory. Man rebelled. So we were alienated from God. God sent His only Son into the world to reconcile us. He, recon- he is reconciling us to Himself in Christ Jesus through the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ, which, again, all of that includes His life, His death, His resurrection, His ascension. But that's the Gospel. Now, here's, here's how Paul does it here. I'm just going to read a couple of verses again. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the Gospel I preached to you which you received in which you stand. Now, now notice we've got, a, we've got a content shift here. Paul has been talking about what it means to be spiritual. That, like I say, that's been the main theme of the book. What it means to be a spiritual one. And specifically, in chapters 12, 13, 14, he's been talking about the manifestations of the Spirit and addressing um, the Corinthians' misunderstanding and mis, um, misuse, misapplication of the manifestations of the Spirit. So now, now he's shifting to a different topic, which is going to be the resurrection, the reality of the resurrection. So he says, now I would remind you, brothers, or I would make you to know, literally is the, is the word there, and uh, that might be a, um, a little bit of a, of a <laughs> you know, a little bit of a, mm, a slight slap in the face, kind because of, this is something they're supposed to know. He's like, I've got to remind you, I've got to make you know again, Brothers, the gospel which I preached to you, it's sort of like, did you forget? Did you forget that this is what it's all about? That it's all about the glory of God, that it's all about the kingdom of God, so he's going to bring them back to the gospel, which includes, and this is his uh, main reason here for bringing these things up, which includes the resurrection, which is, is yet to, to be. So he says, I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now, notice, again, I mentioned this before, but notice Paul puts his own words here. Uh, the gospel that he delivered on a, on a different level. You know, when he talks previously about uh, the prophet speaking and being judged, here he just expects what he says to be taken as the Word of God. Period. No, no argument. So he says, let me remind you of this. The gospel, the good news, that I, that I good news. It's the same word. It's just, it's just a verb form there. It reminds you of the, uh, of the good news which I good newsed 
to you. And he's going to give us a few things here to consider. First, he says, it's the gospel I preached. It's the gospel that you received. It's the gospel in which you stand. And it's the gospel by which you are being saved. If you hold fast. That is, if you hold fast to the gospel. Because he says, if, if you hold fast to the word... Um, I preach to you, which is the gospel. Well, first of all, what is the gospel? We've already said several things about that, but let me let me give you a, um, uh, something out of this uh, this text um, in chapter two. Whoop, not chapter two, chapter one, verse eighteen. When he's talking to them about their their pursuit of worldly wisdom, and he says, verse seventeen: For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, what I want you to see here is that um, he, he, he uses this phrase, the word of, of the cross, synonymously with the gospel here in Verses 17 and 18. Chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. So what is the gospel? It's the word of the cross. It's the message of Christ crucified, which he goes on to say um, in verse 22. Chapter 1, verse 22. Jews demand signs. Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called same group, by the way, that, you know, he says to those of us who are being saved. To those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So it's the power of God, the wisdom of God, it's the word of the cross, it is the message of Christ crucified. That's the gospel. Christ and Him crucified. Now let's go back to where we're at here. Chapter 15. So in other words, it's not just any message. It's not just any good news. It's not just the idea of, of uh, you know, let's get some good news out there. Let's come up with something that, is, that will make people comfortable, that will make people happy, that will make people cheery. <laughs> and get some good news out there. We want to be positive. It's not all about being positive. It's about conveying the facts of Jesus' life, Suffering, death, resurrection, which Paul is going to emphasize here, and ascension to glory, his glorification. So, here he says it this way, and Sheila um, mentioned this earlier, verses 3 3 and 4. What is the gospel? I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. So, uh, this is what Paul was talking about earlier on back in chapter 1. That he said is, it's, it's foolishness. It's, stumbling, it's a stumbling block for the Jews. It's foolishness to the Greeks. That Christ died for our sins. That he was buried... In other words, he, he was really dead, 
was buried and that He rose again. Foolishness to the Greeks. You, re- you may remember when Paul was in Athens in Acts 17, and they were curious there at the Areopagus about what Paul had to say. You know, I've told you before, I mean, it was kind of like the Oprah Winfrey show of its day. People, people would come and, and uh, nobody had solutions, but, I mean, but they'd share ideas, you know, and talk, and talk about how great their ideas were. And you had different schools of philosophy represented there. The two mentioned in the book of Acts were the Stoics uh, and the Epicureans. And, and they would come and, and talk, and, and they liked to talk and see what everybody else had to say. So they wanted to hear what Paul had to say. And they were listening along pretty good until he got to the part about the resurrection. (laughs) Foolishness to the Greeks, Paul says. What is? The word of the cross. Christ crucified. It's a stumbling block for the Jews. The Messiah, the Messiah suffering, humiliated, crucified, it's a stumbling block for the Jews. And it's foolishness to the Greeks that a man should come, live and die, and rise again. A lot of skeptics. A lot of skeptics. Not much has changed in our day, has it? Not much has changed. But Paul says, this is it. This is the Gospel. This is the Gospel that was delivered to me, and I delivered it to you. I delivered to you, verse 3, as of first importance, what I also received. So he says, I received it, and I passed it on. I gave it to you. It is the message of the Gospel. It is the faith, Jude calls it, once delivered to the saints. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That He was buried. That He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Alright, now, let me back up here. I want to go through this a little at a time. Like I say, we, we won't cover everything tonight, but it's kind of set the stage. So, Paul says, Brothers, I would remind you of the Gospel I preached to you. The good news that I good newsed you with, which you received. In which you stand. So, it's the gospel that I preached to you. Now he says, it's the gospel which you received. I'm having to remind you, Corinthians, of the gospel which you received. And incidentally, um, let me see if I can find this real quick. Uh, Looking at my... uh, Ah, there we go. Yeah, the, the, I was looking at the at the tenses here of the of the verbs. It's just interesting the way <clears throat> the way that Paul puts this across. The gospel which I preached. That's an, that's an aorist tense. In other words, it's just you know something done in the past. It's going to it, it'll be more important. You'll see as we move along. But here, the word preached is in the aorist tense. So so it's just something done. I did back there. It's like a, a snapshot, you know, in time. The gospel that I preached, which you received, which is also in the aorist tense, but it's it's an aorist active 
indicative. So he's saying you you received it. You know, it kind of pictures of you know you you embrace it. You took it. You you reached out and and took it. You received it. But again, it's the air's tense. So he's kind of like it's like a snapshot in time of what took place in the past back there. Paul says, "I preached it. You received it." Now, if you look back at chapter one for a minute. You may remember that, that uh, he started out talking about that, how the, how, the, uh, how the gospel came to them. And I keep giving you the wrong chapter, but it's chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 2, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. See, there's another summation of the gospel. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message... We're not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So here they are all in, in chapters 1 and 2, here they are all enamored with worldly wisdom, um, personalities, you know, uh, gifted personalities eloquence of speech. And Paul is saying, look, that's not the way I came to you. That's, that's not how you received the gospel. I just gave you, I gave you straightforward the, the gospel. Christ crucified. Wasn't worldly wisdom. It wasn't eloquence of speech. But it was a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Now I think what he's referring to there is not so much, you, you kind of you read that, you kind of get the, 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 the picture. Maybe Paul came in performing miracles or something. Maybe some people were healed. Maybe so, but, but I, I think probably what he's referring to there is their um, receptivity. In other words, the Gospel came in power to the Corinthians. That didn't always happen. Some, some places Paul would go in and would preach, and you know they just throw rocks at him and run him out of town. Or like at, at Mars Hill, you, you usually had a... a some that would that would uh, want to hear more, but a lot of times it just didn't look very successful. But Paul says that's not the way it was with you Corinthians. I, I came to you with with the straightforward facts of the gospel. I wasn't I wasn't putting on a show. I wasn't giving you worldly wisdom or eloquence of speech. I just I just talked to you about Jesus crucified. I was intentional in that, in that. I determined to know nothing among you, among you except Christ and Him crucified. And guess what? He says, my speech and my message came to you in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. In other words, lives were changed by the gospel, by the power of the Holy Spirit. People were saved. Now, if you, if you look back in, verse, in, in chapter 1, rather, you see more evidence of that at the very beginning. Verse 4, chapter 1, verse 4, he says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in Him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see Paul's confidence um, coming forth there in, in, his, uh, in his wording to them. The Gospel came to you in power. You were enriched by it. You were changed. 
It's the Gospel that I preached, Paul says in chapter 15, and it's the Gospel that you received. It's almost like Galatians. and It's almost like he's saying, are, are you now moving away? It seems to be the, the implication here. I want to remind you, brothers, of the simplicity of the Gospel. The Gospel that changed your life. It's the Gospel I preached it's the Gospel you received. And it's the Gospel, verse 1 again, chapter 15, verse 1. It's the Gospel in which you stand. Now, this is why I pointed out the tense of the verbs earlier. This is one reason. Preached, the Gospel that I preached, that's the aorist tense. Like I say, it's like a snapshot in the past. It happened back there. It's the Gospel you received. Again, it's like a snapshot in time. It happened back there. And it's the Gospel in which you stand. But stand, stand is a perfect tense. Perfect tense is something that was completed in the past, but has abiding results. Continuing results. So Paul says, I preached, you received, and you stand. That standing was something done in the past, completed. In other words, it doesn't, doesn't need to be redone. You don't need to keep being made to stand. It just has abiding results. You now stand. This is the Gospel in which you stand. You stand in the Gospel. In the Gospel. The same Gospel that I preached, the same Gospel that you received, is, where, is, is what you are anchored in. You don't, you don't stand apart from the Gospel. Sometimes we, we think of the Gospel as, well, you know, that's the basic, the element, elementary um, parts of the of the uh, of, of Christianity is the base. You know, you got to have the gospel to be saved. But and then it's then we don't need it. <laughs> you know, I remember I was talking to a young Jewish. Uh, I don't want to call him a boy. He was, I don't know, eighteen, nineteen, something like that. And uh, I really didn't know him. He was asking me some honest questions. I said, uh, you know, because he, he was a, a practicing Jew, and. Uh, I was asking him about. I said, "Well, now, do you do do, do you go to the Sabbath every? Uh, I mean, go to the uh, synagogue every Sabbath?" And, yeah, yeah. So, we, so he was telling me, you know, we we do kind of like what y'all do. We have preaching and so forth. Uh, and he's quick to tell me too. By the way, he said, "Now we don't carry Bibles like y'all do." Like y'all do. But I said, "So, do you have something like Sunday school, like what we call Sunday school? Do you have something like that?" He said, "Well, really." He said, "Yeah, they do." He said, but you, you have to go to that until bar mitzvah, which they're 13 when they go through bar mitzvah, and then they're considered to be an adult, right? Adult male. And he said, so after that, you don't have to go. Kind of like, you got it. You just come in for a weekly refresher, and uh, the, the training's sort of over. I mean, he, he didn't say that part, but he did say, you know, once, you, once you've had your bar mitzvah, you don't have to go to, anymore to, to the classes and stuff. You know what? <clears throat> if 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 you were saved, if if you're not saved, you need the gospel. 
If you've been saved 60, 70, 80 years, you need the Gospel. I need the Gospel. It is the Gospel that saves and it is the Gospel that sanctifies. It's the Word of God. It's the message of Christ crucified. We never move away from that. Remember the, uh, the Henson Southern Gospel Group had a song years ago, I'll never get over the hill. Or I'll never be over the hill, whichever. But he was talking about Calvary. <laughs> no, I'll never be over the hill. He wasn't talking about getting old. He was talking about Calvary. I'll never get over it. We never get past the Gospel. It's the Gospel I preached. It's the Gospel you received. It's the Gospel in which you stand. And if that didn't say it well enough there, now he says, and by which you are being saved. So, it's, it's the Gospel that I preach, Paul says. It's the Gospel which you receive. It's the Gospel in which you stand. And it's the Gospel by which you are being saved. Now, this verb is in the present tense, which is continuing action, ongoing. You are being saved. And it's affected by the Gospel, by the Word of God, the message of Christ crucified, the Word of the cross. Christ in Him crucified. Your salvation is affected by, um, by the Gospel. It is the Gospel by which you are being saved. You heard me say it many times. Salvation is a process. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. Sort of, I mean, this, you know, every analogy falls short. But it's sort, sort of like having something in the oven, you know, and it's not done yet. But, of course, with that analogy, something could happen, right? The, the, <clears throat> the gas could run out and the thing doesn't finish cooking. <laughs> Somebody takes it out too soon and it doesn't finish cooking or whatever the case is. The oven blows up. Turkey's destroyed. So I don't want to give the impression there's any doubt in terms of our salvation. It's a process. It's not complete. But, the completion of it is sure. Is sure. If, there is an if. Paul does put an if on here. We'll get to that in a moment. But for those who are in Christ, it, it will be completed. Or you can say it in the words of Philippians, um, words of Paul in Philippians. He who began a good work in you, he says, Paul says to the Philippian church, he who began a good work in you, Paul says, I'm confident. I'm confident. That he who began a good work in you, Philippians, will continue it or complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. So it's, it's the gospel by which you are being saved. It is even now the message of Christ. Christ in Him crucified. The word of the cross is even now saving us. If, if, Paul says, you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. If you hold fast, this is the, the final point here, 
There are several instances like this in the Scripture. Um, I mean, you could mention many. One, you know, one comes to mind, of course, Jesus in John 15. If, if you remain in Me, Jesus says, if you hold fast, hold fast to what? Well, Paul says, the Word... I preached to you. What is the word that Paul preached to them? We're not in doubt about that, are we? It's the gospel. It's the gospel. And I think, in essence, what Paul is saying is, you can't, and this is, of course, what the Scripture says throughout, you can't go anywhere else for salvation. If, if, you, if you turn to something else or someone else, then yes, there's, there's, there's no salvation. There's no hope. There's, there's, no, there's no other name given under heaven among men, whereby we must be saved. It is Jesus, it is Christ crucified. So Paul's saying, if you hold fast. In other words, I think there is great assurance here. You trust God, you, you believe God's Word, you hold fast to God's message, and what he's going to go on to say is, you will be raised up and glorified just as surely as Jesus was raised up and glorified. Because we are raised together with Him. So, uh, oh, and, and I, I'm, I'm, I'll plan to spend more time on that last phrase later. I'll just mention it here. <clears throat> Unless you believe in vain. By which you are being saved. That is, it is the gospel by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, which is the gospel, unless, unless you believed in vain. And I think, just to kind of give you the short story here, what, what Paul's going to go on to do is, is to make the case that you didn't believe in vain. The gospel is true. We we have assurance. Our assurance is is in the resurrection of Christ. The fact that Jesus Himself conquered sin and death. The the grave couldn't keep Him. He was not left to corruption. So, Paul's main focus here is going to be the resurrection. But he gives them a quick reminder that of the gospel. And because that's, that's the confirmation of it, isn't it? Jesus was declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. So that's a major part of the gospel. And here they are saying that there's no resurrection. So I think Paul is saying, look, if there's no resurrection... You believed in vain. 
But he's going to make the case. You, you didn't believe in vain because there is resurrection. Jesus was resurrected and we're going to be resurrected. And it's all because of the gospel. Because of God's grace manifesting the gospel. In the life, suffering, death, resurrection, ascension, glorification of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel that I preached to you, Paul says. It's the gospel that you received. It is the gospel in which you stand. It is the gospel by which you are being saved. (laughs) Hold fast to it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for the Gospel. We thank You that Christ came into the world to die for sinners. Because that's what we are. And it's all of grace. Lord, we thank You for Your grace. While we were yet sinners, while we were ungodly. You loved us. You demonstrated Your love toward us in Christ's death for us. Lord, grant to us an awareness of how we, how we need Your Word, how we need the Gospel just to get through each day. Lord, give us a passion, a zeal for proclaiming the Gospel so that we might do like Paul. Say, I received it and now I'm going to deliver it. Take it to others with a desire to see them embrace it as well. In it all, we pray, be glorified, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.